This is RMB's Data Analytics Podcast with Matthew Burnett, where we look at the insightful role that data analytics plays for decision makers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RMB Data Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Burnett. I'm the head of data analytics at Rand Merchant Bank. And joining me on the podcast today is Arun Varagith. Arun is the head of telecommunication, media, and technology advisory at RMB. Arun, thanks very much for joining us today. Thanks, Matt. Good to be here. So, Arun, so much happening in the payments landscape at the moment. And obviously, as we know, a lot of technological advancements and certainly a move towards contactless payments. Talk to us a bit about the payments landscape and, and what's happening there at the moment. Sure, Matt. I suppose when we do swipe our card or touch our card at, at, at a shop um, or use our phones or pay online, we don't often think about the plumbing that exists to make that payment a reality. And uh, essentially, uh, the payment rails that exist are based on a four-party model. This essentially involves the issuing bank, i.e. the bank that gave you your credit card, the acquiring bank, so that's the bank of the the merchant, um, and the card scheme and the merchant themselves. So between these four parties, the payment has to go through to affect you to be able to buy that piece of uh, product or service that, that you use every day. So once once the cardholder swipes his confirmation, is then captured by what we call a merchant acquirer. So you'll see that when you go to a coffee shop, there's often one of those Yoko machines or a NetBank or F&B machine. The information is then routed through uh, card schemes, such as Visa and MasterCard, to the issuing bank for authorization. The merchant is then settled once the transaction is cleared for fraud and the funds have been checked and then cleared from, from the consumer's account. Now, all of this happens in mere seconds, but it's actually a complicated web of electronic communication, uh, both locally and internationally, to, to get it right. And, and as you say, it's quite fascinating when you hear about the, the, the mechanics behind it, because it all happens really within a matter of seconds. Um, and card payments, as we know, there's, there's been a lot of technological innovation right from when cards were, were first issued. Talk to us a bit about a fintech and innovation in, in payments. I mean, we've already seen some of it uh, with like of Apple Pay and contactless payment. What other innovations are there in the pipeline? Sure. Look, uh, I think, Matt, let me take a step back. Uh, what's important to understand is that cash is still dominant in Africa and even in South Africa. So, of course, 60% of South Africa's transactions are still done in physical cash. So the addressable market for card payments and alternative fintechs is is massive. Um, and as we become um, moving towards more financial inclusion, there will be a natural growth in the space, right? So, you know, that, and again, when I say movement in the space, I mean movement from using physical cash to, to using electronic uh, type of payment. Uh, and I think what's really helped in the space is the proliferation of smartphones, right? And smartphones have enabled, like technology, like you said, Apple Pay, where you can load your credit card through a tokenized system onto your phone, and the phone, using near-field contact technology, can go off and actually, you know, use it to pay at any contact uh, point-of-sale system that actually accepts it. That's what we're seeing um, a lot happening in South Africa. You can use your Garmin Pay on your watch, Apple Pay on your watch. It just helps uh, consumers be able to pay for things in a more convenient manner. 
But if you look around the world, you know, especially in places like China and elsewhere, you've got wallets such as WeChat and Alipay, which you can load and then use that to pay, uh, pay for goods and services. And that's actually a predominant uh, way of uh, payments in, in China. You've got wallets such as PayPal, which allows you to do easy cross-border payments across the world. And of course, there's the ever-growing cryptocurrency solutions that are out there where you can convert your fiat currency into crypto and then use that as a payment mechanism for for various goods. So I think there's, there's a hell of a lot of innovation and change happening. And I think the, the secular trend in moving towards financial inclusion for most of the, the planet and the move away from cash is just really going to be driving it. That, that's great to hear. Where does this all leave data and, and data analytics, right? We really know that there's a lot of data that is generated from each payment that happens. Uh, you've mentioned, you know, technologies and uh, new trends such as buy now, pay later. You've mentioned contactless technologies. But where does all this leave us from a data analytics perspective? And how does um, it unlock that really rich basket level data, which is so, so, so valuable from a data analytics perspective? No, that, that's actually a very interesting uh, concept. I think data was was often overlooked in the past decade, but now it's come come very much to fore. So even within F&B and, and the banks, there's a lot of analysis of the data of consumer uh, uh, consumer behavior. So every time you swipe your card, you know, it's where did you swipe the card? Who did you swipe the card at? What did you buy with the products? How often do you shop? Um, and that all points towards consumer data, right? You can t- you can then segregate data into the type of subsectors people are spending on. You know, is it on luxury goods? Is it on food? And you know, or is it on non-durable um, matters? And I think that builds quite a complete picture of consumers. Tied with things like location, the sort of profiles. You know, even from an economic and aggregate perspective, you can see on real-time data how the economy is moving. And I think that's going to be of great aid to economists, policymakers, to, to businesses that are truly, really trying to unpack what is consumer behavior looking like and, and, and where is the spend going. And it's all real time. And, and that's so powerful, right? Is that you can see it really on a real time basis and which is so, as we know, so important as COVID hit the world changed so rapidly. That data from even a week ago was was suddenly out of date and reflected a reality that was no longer with us. So that that real time analysis is so important. My final question to you, Aaron, is is how does all of that then affect your advisory work? You're working with some of the largest uh, telecommunications, media, and technology companies in South Africa. How does all of this aid you in your advisory work to these companies? Yeah, Matt, look, so we actually working with a lot of the, the payments players within the, the, the value chain, right? So we work with a lot of the larger merchant acquirers. We're helping them with raising capital, helping them look at potential bolt-on M&A. And I think, you know, we forget how large the landscape actually is. You know, we haven't even touched on, you know, the remittance players. You know, there's there's the crypto exchanges. There's the processing and the EFT lanes and, and, and switches out there. Is obviously the the fintechs that fund um, the payments platforms, whether it's at point of sale and even going into items like buy now, pay later, where we've seen transactions. So I think my, my role is often to advise uh, players in the value chain on a variety of choices and strategic choices, particularly on capital 
and how to expand their businesses. So I think it's, you know, we're hoping as a bank to, to grow with our clients in the space. That's great to hear. And of course, it all leads at the end of the day to hopefully financial inclusion for, for more and more of the population as well. No, definitely. And I think uh, that's right. All these innovations is just, it's just really challenging how the traditional system has existed and try, really making it easier for the average person uh, to be part of the financial system, whether it's a simple card or or your phone, or, or, or using crypto, it's it's making inclusion much easier for, for the average person. Arun, you mentioned some of the technological innovations that we've already seen, such as, such as Apple Pay and contactless payment. What else is coming to South Africa that, that's new and that's a, a global trend in the payments landscape? Well, Matt, an interesting new development is buy now, pay later. It's a new method of payment, which is a direct replacement for, for credit cards. So the system allows you to borrow money on an interest-free basis uh, over a period of time. And some of the big names you may have heard of, such as Klarna, um, Affirm, and Afterpay, are some of the largest players in the space. Uh, well, how this works is when you look to buy a product at checkout, instead of checking out and using your credit card, you can get an option for buy now, pay later, where you pay in almost equal installments over four to eight week period. There is no interest charge at all, um, and it allows uh, allows you to access um, interest free credit in a very simple manner. What's really interesting is that a lot of these apps actually um, allow the consumer to start their shopping experience at their app first. So what that means is. On the Klarna app or Firm app, you've got wish lists of products you'd like to buy. You've got a list of partners where you can use the, the financing product at. And often the, the shopping journey starts there. So you open up the app, you click on the product you want to buy, you, you take into Amazon or whichever merchant that they're partnering with, the transaction um, is affected. Um, what's interesting for merchants is that this lowers their cost of acquisition because, you know, the, the fintechs are the ones acquiring a customer um, it also helps drive greater, you know, gross merchandise value, and also the average order value for a merchant also goes up um, versus, you know, a traditional credit card uh, sort of payment. So I think everyone on this value chain benefits the the fintech, uh, the consumer, and also the merchant. And I think there's a real threat to traditional banking because uh, traditional banks, you know, still make a fair amount of money from their uh, credit card interest um, and fees. And I think this is going to come under real threat. And then lastly, for your benefit, it's a closed loop system. So the data is extremely valuable. So the fintechs have access to what items you're looking at, when you buy, what type of items you buy. They can share that with, uh, with the merchant and help build a much more complete picture of the, the consumer. You're also tying up location data from your phone along with the, the, the buying behavior. So then you're sort of having the the holy trinity of um, of payments data, location data, and, and purchasing data on the items be, uh, that are being bought. So I think overall, this is going to make it a much more rich environment to collect data on the consumer and allow you to target better products and services to, to the consumer. Absolutely. Arun, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks, Matt. Great chatting here. Thank you for listening to RNB's Data Analytics with Matthew Bernath podcast. Subscribe now for more episodes.